0: My name is Don Campbell. I am so glad to be here with you this morning and, and uh, to have a few minutes to share life with you. We're going to talk about that. and uh, We had the first service jumping and screaming before the end of it, just glorifying God, so hopefully we get the same thing out of you guys. It's worth a try. Can we give it up for these guys that work and train and, and, and come through and practice? Thank you. You know, I worked as a pastor for, for years uh, at a church in my hometown. Well, the town I live, I swear, is home, Sanford, Florida. And you don't know oftentimes sitting out there what really goes on behind the scenes. And I can submit to you that there's a lot of work that goes on to make even a Sunday morning service, just getting this one thing done a week, not the other to mention, all of the other responsibilities that staff have here. So uh, I know that I'm grateful to be here, and I know many of you are as well. Can we say thank you to the pastoral staff that's done such a great job in our lives? Right? We need that. Pastor Phil has been so kind to, to invite me in as your pastor travels, and uh, we've been praying for him. I've been praying for you guys for, for uh, months now. I've listened to some messages. I've heard some uh, messages about purpose, about really empowering people, from teaching people about how... how to be accepted by Christ and be accepted in the things of God and be significant in the things of God, to find your real purpose. I heard one message that one of the speakers, I don't know if it was a staff, I think it may a guest speaker, had everybody stand to their feet and give out hugs. You guys remember that one? I heard that one. We're going to do that one again. I'm, just, I'm kidding. At the end of the service, though, I told the first service, I'll run you down and give you a hug if you try to skip out. So I'll chase you down for a hug. I need hugs. 16 a day. I've only had about eight. So I need at least eight more hugs by the end of the day. So I'm looking for help to stay emotionally stable. So help me with that. Um, I have a, a wonderful family back home. I brought a, one of the young guys named Tim Crawl. Tim is, uh, was in my youth ministry. I love the young people are sitting down front. I wish they were like right here, but they're close enough. The energy in the room is going to just come from your hearts. And we're going to have a really good time this morning. Um, but Tim was in my youth group about 15 years ago in Sanford, Florida, and uh, he's on the trip with me. We work together now, and we are uh, on our journey to feed children everywhere, Uh, and that can't be done without great community partners uh, like those guests that are here today. So we're on the supply chain side. You guys are where the rubber meets the road. The lives are being changed, and we're grateful for organizations and school boards and uh, people that just have a heart to reach the community and uh, be unified in doing that is a miraculous thing. So thank you for your service to those that are in need. Uh, can we give it up for our guests that are here today? <clears throat> I, I don't have this scripture um, on a PowerPoint or anything, but I'm going to share something this morning that I just felt like I should and because it's, it's an important one. It's in Psalms 133, and I'm just going to read it to you. You don't have to go search it down if you don't want But it says how good and pleasant it is is when God's people live together in unity. It's kind of like this. And I was thinking as we were introducing the guests that are here uh, today, God loves unifying his kids, you know, and goes on to say in that scripture that he's going to pour out a blessing that's so big. Just imagine it this way, if you could. God has blessing. We get blessed because we're his children. But think of it this way. When he sees unity, he has another checkbook that he writes blessing out of that checkbook. It's it's another portion that God wants to give as he sees unity in a community. So pastoral staff, get ready. If you unify the community, God has a special endowment that he wants to pour out and bless this church and this community if you'll be unified for his kingdom purpose. Amen? That's a big deal, guys. Unity in the kingdom, in the region... Supplies additional blessing. It's not my word. It's what the Bible says. Right? It's not just a hope. It's real. Come on, sec. first service was ready there. They were like, preach it, pastor! <laughs> um, so, back home, I have a lovely wife. Her name is Kristen. And she is awesome. She's beautiful. And uh, she's just my best friend. And she's awesome. We have four kids um, our youngest is a, our adopted daughter. She's been with us for two years now. Her name is Grace. What appropriate song this morning. She's amazing. Come on. I need the drummer there. Right? Uh, she's, she really is. You know, when Grace joined our family, we thought we were going to, you know, oh, we're going to be the, you know, we had, it wasn't our motives were wrong. They weren't intentional. But, you know, you, you see, Grace came from a very, very abusive background. Her father's incarcerated. Mother was addicted. She was abused in every way, unfortunately, possible. But the God of heaven and earth has rescued her. She's given her heart to Christ, and he has brought supernatural healing this little girl. If you met her today, she's 14 now. You never know. In a million years, but she's lived more life than most of us in the room. And uh, so we're grateful to have Grace as our, our newest daughter in our family. Um, Jacob is 14, or 17, and Jacob is going into his senior year of high school. Uh, he is going off to college. He wants to be a physicist. He wants to teach this at a collegiate level. He's a math. He's, it's off the charts, math. His SAT scores are just unbelievable, and he's just a smart kid. And I'm, so I, I look sometimes, and I'm going, Wow. It only looks like me. I don't know about the math part. I can say we look alike, but that's about where it ends. Uh, he's awesome. He's really amazing. And then uh, Morgan, my daughter. I'm a soccer. Anybody like soccer? Yeah, soccer. I played soccer. I'm 42. I started playing soccer when I was four. And uh, I'm going to have a little picture. Don't put it up yet, but I'm going to have a really goofy soccer picture. I'm going to use a little icebreaker for you guys. And you can pick on me if you want. It's all right. I have thick skin. The picture is of me. as a little boy at soccer. And I'm going to use that this morning to share uh, life with you today. Um, but Morgan is an 18-year-old. She just graduated high school. She's on a full-ride soccer scholarship to play at Palm Beach Atlantic, which is a Christian college in South Florida, West Palm Beach. A very, very good school. She wants to be a nurse and work with, uh, with babies as she graduates from college. She's also saved me about $40,000 a year on college. So praise God for that. Yes, can all the parents in the room say Amen. Seriously, it's like, what? When we started doing the math as this school was recruiting her, we were a little freaked out by it. But as uh, God in His goodness provides ways, and the scholarship was more than we thought, and it was more than I could ask or imagine, is what the Bible says. So I really received it. Then uh, my oldest daughter's Madison, I'll ask you to pray for her. Madison's going to be 21 in two weeks. And uh, she's, well, wait a minute, today's what, the third? She's going to be 21 on Friday. Uh, Madison is not walking with the Lord, but I know what she, I know she's given her heart to Christ, and I know that she's going to come around into the ways that have been shown to her. So, parents, if your kids stray, just know that God, is, God loves them more than we do. And they will come back. Just keep loving them right where they're at. Um, give them the boundaries they need. But I will tell you, it's been a tough love has been tough as a father. I don't want to come here and not be real with you, though, because life is, has a way of being real, regardless if you're behind the pulpit or if you're behind a minivan. It doesn't matter. Life is real. And uh, so that's a real thing that's going on in my life. And uh, her name is Madison. She's amazing as well. But she needs our prayers. And uh, we're going to believe for a miraculous uh, prodigal story. Wouldn't it be cool if she could just run back to her father's house? So that's a little background um, for us. We, we, we run a, a feeding ministry. We started it from our home. And it, didn't, it just didn't happen overnight. It, it had to, you know, I had to come from somewhere. And I want to share a little bit about that, that part of it. Because you see on the slides behind me, Share Your Life you know, one of the things that we're called to do is more than just share Jesus. In fact, the vehicle, in, for my life at least, the vehicle in which Jesus was shared best is when someone decided to share their life with me. Does that make sense? You guys tracking with me? Let me show you this picture real quick so we can get a good laugh in and then you can pick on me. Look at that. Woo! See that? I had the little, um, you know, the little, in the, see that was, uh, I was 13 that, in that picture. So that would have been 19... 19- 84, right? Did I do my math right? And uh, I had the little mullet cut. That was the, we didn't call it a mullet then. It was called, that was like the soccer cut. It was like, you know, party in the back, short in the front, you know, kind of deal. Um, anyway, that was me at 13. I want to tell you about that little boy for a second, because by the time I was 13, my father, you don't know this when you look at that picture. My teammates didn't know when I was scoring goals in the soccer field, um, or we were at the beach after a soccer game. They didn't know when I spent the night at their houses uh, that I was a hungry kid and the life I came from. They didn't know that my father had taken his life and killed himself seven years prior to that. They didn't know that that picture doesn't tell you that I had two little brothers both die in that time period. That picture doesn't show you that I had been physically and sexually abused. That picture doesn't show any of that. It shows an outside facade of what life could be, what it should be. I should smile, look at me. But in the inside, there was a broken little boy in there that needed needed relationship, needed healing, needed hope. I was a very gifted soccer player. I still love, and I play at a very high level. I still play in leagues, right? I play with guys that are ex-professional guys or ex-college guys. I played soccer in Europe. I had all that stuff and opportunity, but inside of all that was a little boy that was broken and hurting. This is the challenge. How do you reach that? How do you find out about that little boy? Because let me tell you, folks, that little boy is in your lives today. They might be 40 years old or even 50. They might be seven. But that little boy is in your lives today, I promise. We live in a broken world. How do we reach that little boy so that we can... Maybe the treasure that's in that little boy's heart is a deep place that God put there... It has a real big purpose. You know, our feeding ministry started from our dining room table in Sanford, Florida. My wife and I, I, I left my profession to start a feeding ministry. But it really came out of, hey, we're just going to invite kids to our home to come have a meal. Now, we're on four continents now. We're in 36 states in the U.S. That's, that was 25 million meals ago. We've had 150,000 volunteers since then. We've worked with five-year-olds to 105-year-olds. That was in that little boy's heart. It had to be unearthed. So today I want to talk about how you guys can not only feed people in a few weeks, but recognize that the people, the lives that we're being touched, there are little broken hearts out there. And if we'll share our lives with them, we might uncover some treasure. Can we go on a little treasure hunt together, I guess, is my question. I want to show you in the scriptures... About a particular scripture that kind of talks about this. So the scripture that I'll refer to is 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. It's a very, very cool thing that when Paul writes in his epistles, he teaches in two different ways. The first parts are typically done by a doctrinal side of the message. This is a perfect scripture that bridges that. And then it's done in a practical side. So if you so for example If you were to read Romans 12, verse 1, it's a very popular, right? Be transformed, submit yourself as a living sacrifice, be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you understand the perfect will of God, right? That's the paraphrase of verses 1 and 2. But it says, therefore, so to really get that scripture on the practical side, you have to understand the first maybe 11 books of the book of Romans to start really seeing the platform in which that plays out in our lives. How our hearts are transformed and our minds are transformed. So Apostle Paul's teachings, as you're reading your scriptures, start looking at that space of a doctrinal side of the message and then a practical application. It's there for all of us. It's not, this is not me. Again, this is just the Word of God, and I, I would, I would you know, encourage you to dig into it and learn the doctrinal side and the practical side. This scripture happens to do both. I cared for you so much because I loved you so much. We were delighted... ...to share with you not only the gospel of God... ...pause for a second... ...the gospel of God would be this doctrinal side... ...the need that every human being has... ...for the salvation of our Lord. Every human being... ...every human being, hear me... ...will answer that question one day. Who is Jesus? If you don't know that... ...answer that question yet... ...you'll have an opportunity at the end of the service... ...but every human being will answer... ...who is Jesus? Was he a phony, a fake... And a crazy man, or was he really the son of the living God? I submit to you this morning. For sure, he was the son of the living God. So, if you're in doubt, Jesus is who he says he is. He did what he did. He was he he lived on the planet in a perfect life as a sinless man of God and as of God. And he was buried and resurrected, and he's now giving us an opportunity to receive the fullness of who we are as his sons and daughters so the question will have to answer every human being who was Jesus who is Jesus that will come when it comes and we could argue about that I'm not going to argue with you but there could be a, a bunch of people that argue about when that happens and I'm not going to get into that but I'm here to tell you that it will have to, you will have to answer that question so it's an important question to ask yourself but he says we're our lives as well not only to come to share the gospel, but our lives as well. Apostle Paul teaching, saying, the gospel is a very important part of this. Let me ask you this. Before I learned the scripture, I'll put it this way in a statement with my own life. I tried to reach people only with this methodology, which was, I'm going to take this thing, I'm going to poof, Hit him over the head with it. You just need the word. You just need the gospel. True statement. We do need the word. And we do need the gospel. The vehicle in which that gets done is very, very, very important. That vehicle didn't work for the Don Campbell picture. I didn't need this before I needed something very important. So the message I heard about hugs was vital for me. Because guess what I needed when I was 13, 14, 15, 18, ultimately 24... I needed somebody to hug me. I just needed a hug. I didn't need... That was the opener to my heart. My heart needed to know that I had people that somebody would love me, as messy and as dirty and as filthy and as broken as I was. I needed that. There's friends, young people, hear me. There's classmates that might sit right next to you. They may pretend they don't want a hug. They might act like they don't want a hug. Listen, all oh, those of you who are going to work, the guy that's at the office, that's the, the, the guy that's very maybe uh, sarcastic and pretends he doesn't need it. That guy needs a hug, let me tell you. We need to share life to get to the full treasure of our hearts. I submit to you that's the key to the kingdom. We can change the world together. There's a special thing in the hearts of each and every one of us. It's just just what the Bible says. We believe this word for salvation. We believe this word for all these other things that seem so impossible, that are so impossible on our own. We have to believe this too. Sharing our lives is a vehicle to change the world. We started in our home. My wife and I started with our kids, we had three at the time before Grace, before Amazing Grace lived with us. And we said, go out in the community and invite your friends over for dinner. That was the mission. I was a youth pastor and family life pastor at the church. I said to my senior pastor, well, I cried to my senior pastor, frankly, because I didn't know how to do church very well. So I, I, I would go into my meetings with the pastoral staff, and sometimes I would just cry. Because I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to reach a teenager. I didn't know how to get to the little boy that I was. The little lost boys that were trying to come in and out of the church or that I'd I'd run into. um, I didn't know who they were. I didn't know how to reach their hearts. But so I figured, all right, God, I want to do something different. And so I had a really awesome senior pastor and said, hey, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What's God's calling you to? And I said, well, I want to do something out of our home. So the three kids we had, Morgan, Madison, and Jacob, they were the bait. We used, and we just casted them out in the community and said, "Invite your friends back for a dinner." That was the message. No Bible study, no plan, no nothing. And then three would show, four would show, ten would show, twenty would show. Next thing you know, we'd have thirty or forty kids in our home having dinner every Wednesday. It's miraculous. We had no. We, 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 again, it wasn't like, "Well, this is the strategic plan we're going to use to do." It. We didn't have a plan. It was just like, "Let's just be real people and share our lives, share the food we have and the table we have." Everybody have a dining room table. Just share it. That was the message. That would about tell you. If you get anything else out of this morning, if you have a table at home, eat around it with people that you may or may not know. Start with people you know and then maybe invite an oddball once in a while. <laughs> Anybody have any oddballs in their life? I, I do. I love oddballs. Look at this guy right here. This hair. Man, I love your hair. I'm like... You have, the, you have the craziest hair in the room and I have the second craziest. How about that? You and I are on the same team. I love that. I love being unique. And God made us all so awesome. And uh, it's so cool to, to see. I really do. I, I compliment you on your hair. It's really cool. Uh, but you, I love that about God. He has made us all so uniquely different and awesome that we can really look in the mirror and, and say that because you're my dad, I'm awesome. Just as I am. So... Bring people into your homes, invite them to dinner. So we sent our kids out. Now I, sh- I shared it the first time, as they laughed because we have 50 kids in our home, and there would be we have a, the backdrop of this story is we had a 1,200 square foot home, so it wasn't so the so if so listen, I'm going to pull the excuse plug. If your home's too small, I don't want to hear it. All right, there's no excuses. We had a 1,200 square foot home. We had a, a 30 inch by 60 inch dining room table. And we would just add on to it those big white banquet tables. The more people showed up the more banquet tables we'd put out. We had kind of the kitchen, living room, dining room combo things. Everybody seen that in a house before? That was our house. Two bedrooms. My kids all shared a room. The best time of my life. The small beginnings, folks. Don't just realize you might look back on the simplicity. You might think it was tough. And back then I thought it was tough. I can't believe we're living like this. Let me tell you it was the best time of my life. I love what I'm doing today and I love my life today. But Man, there was such treasure during that time. We shared everything we had. It was like the book of Acts. Everything we had, we were sharing. Everything. And we've tried to continue that model in sharing our lives. Everything. From our food to our couch. We've always had, for the last seven years, we've had a young adult living in our home. From 18 to 25. I always I had the very, very fortunate pleasure to meet with the young adults here and share for a few minutes this morning during Bible study And, man, I love young people. 20-somethings are awesome. They really have the capacity to change the world. If we just give them a platform to dance on, they will dance for the glory of God. If you're older than 20 and you're in the room, maybe there's a calling there for you to consider helping build a platform for the next generation to dance on for the glory of God. Open your doors of your homes. You have the homes, you have the resources. It's time I challenge the first service with that. It's time. You're not. If you have air in your lungs, your work on the planet is not done. It's not, and you have treasure in there. Look at the scripture in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter twenty, verse five says this: "The purpose. Remember purpose, you guys. I know I've listened to some messages, and I know your pastor teaches about purpose. The purpose of a person's heart are deep water." but one who has insight draws it out of them. It doesn't say some people. It says a person. You're persons. We're persons. You have a deep place in there. If you were to unpack that scripture in the Hebrew text in which it was originated in, you would see that that's meaning the purpose of a person's heart is a deep place, a still place, a place where God puts something in the heart of every one of us that is special and unique and for everyone around us is what it means and then it says if you're in healthy whole relationships that are good those people will draw it out of you in other words the gifts that are in your heart are there but they're not for you they're for everyone else you have to get them out so, this is the lie that the devil will do and, and put into our place. When we get to believe this, is what well, that 13 year old boy means amounts to. I'll never amount to anything because I'm in so much pain. I've been so rejected. I've been so neglected. I've been so abused. How could my life ever imagine? And it would build this layer of hurt around that treasure. Anybody know what I'm talking about? There's a this layer of doubt and lies and hurt that you can't be that special. Some of you are in the room are thinking, how could I ever be that special? Well, guess what? You already are. The truth is the truth whether you believe it or not. God has made us special. That's it. The purposes of the heart of a human being is a deep well, a deep water, a deep treasure that's there. It's in us. People around us will help get it out. Get it out for what? See, my treasure that was in there was, happened to be a feeding ministry that God is blessing like crazy. And we're super humbled and grateful for that. We're blown away. Because I go, how in the world? It's kind of, you remember when in the Bible Mary gets the visit from the angel and, you know, she, it's like, Mary, you're about to give birth to the Savior of the world. Wow. Okay. Let it be according to your word. Just receives it. Let me just tell you today. We can receive God that way. Let it be according to his word. He's put this in us. He wants it out for everyone around us. Does anybody agree with that? Can you, can, if, you, if you really believe that, would you just... I want you to acknowledge. We can be interactive here. I'm a, pretty, I'm a pretty different type of speaker. I want you to understand that this is a reciprocal relationship. This is me doing my best to share my gift with you to hopefully get yours to come out. My gifts are not for me. They're not. They lie dormant for years under pain and doubt and insecurity and everything else that I believed But now I believe God is awesome. And as his son, as his child, that's my first placement on planet Earth. Before I'm a husband or a a friend or a father or a, a CEO. CEO in my life is chief encouragement officer, just so you know. It's not chief executive. I'm not much of an executive. I wear this to work. You know, I have an open office. People walk in and out all day long. My job is to encourage the staff that I have. I'm fortunate to work with. So regardless of all those titles... ...your first and my first title on planet earth... ...is that we're sons and daughters of God. We have a deep treasure to share with others. I don't know how it comes out all the time. Sometimes it comes out across and around the table. For us, it happens around the table. I believe, you know, I shared this in the first service... ...that you could make an argument... ...that in the book, the Gospel of Luke... ...Jesus was either going to a meal... ...coming from a meal... ...or at a meal. The entire book... Think about it. Next time you read it, like he's I think he's walking through the city and he sees Zacchaeus up and he goes, hey, I'm coming to dinner. He's pointing up in the tree. I'm coming to dinner at your house. Get out of that tree. We're going to dinner at your place tonight. Right? He wants to have dinner with us. He wants to, you know, there's a, there's a uh, Scripture would also indicate that there's a feast for us. Man, a lot happens around food. That, for me, was one of the vehicles that I could use to not only as the, as the oldest child as I was growing up, to share my life with my siblings, but other people. I learned how to cook. Those skills that I was learning in all that broken time manifest themselves as I allow God in to allow that treasure to stir up in my home later on. And now in the work that I am privileged to do. I'm no different than you. We all have this. Let's just find it together. What if everybody in the building today could find their Just this sweet spot in life. What could happen? I'm just one guy that happened to find a sweet spot. That's it. What if we all found that sweet spot? What if just the people behind, what if just you guys found the sweet spot? What you could do in this city? God, it's it's limitless. You don't have, guess what? I only have, a, in my role as the CEO of this or of my organization that I'm privileged to be at, I have, a, I have about four or five things that I do. That's it. Because I have other people in positions that are really good at the other four or five things and this four or five things. Just do what you're good at. Find the sweet spot and you, the thing that you can do that's tireless, that you can put all your energy into. you're like, I could do this for all day long and never run out of energy. That thing is what you're supposed to be doing. Anybody have that? Anybody can identify that? I have found a place that I can do something all day long, all day, and just never get tired of doing it. Indications are that's what God has designed you to do. He's a perfect designer. He doesn't make any mistakes, ever. If you found the sweet spot, run after it with your whole heart. I shared that with the young adults earlier today in Bible study. If you find it, embrace it, run after it, cultivate it, allow other people to see it and and enjoy it. Amen? How much time do I have? You said two hours? <laughs> Give or take? All right. Man, oh man. Anybody alright with this, what I'm saying? There's a few things dear to my heart. You know, one is unity. You know, sharing our lives is super important in a unified fashion. Unity in cities, unified in our homes. Um... Uh, Another thing that I wrote when I was praying for you guys is just the ability to receive. You know, I'll tell you a story about grace really quick. I know we've got to close in a short period of time here. What, what time do I need to be done? Uh, so I can think about five, ten after? Five more minutes? Does that mean ten in this church? <laughs> just kidding. Usually. Um, so Grace, my daughter, when she first moved in, this is an interesting story about receiving some of the things I'm talking about. When Grace first moved in, um she would go to the refrigerator and she'd open the fridge and she'd like freeze and she'd turn and she'd look and go, can I have orange juice and she'd go and I said of course you can have orange juice like you know no one else in the house asked them orange juice can you have orange juice she'd grab orange juice and she would take the. we have these tumbler cups they're massive they're big old cups <laughs> she'd wring it out and she'd fill the cup as full as she could and she'd take it... Remember where she came from? She came from a home where she was a hungry kid. She was, with, she was lacking everything. So her way to, be, to, be, uh, to help sustain her life was to do it in her own hands. She, couldn't, she didn't understand that we could really love her. So she would take that big orange juice, identify it as her own in this cup, and she would put it back in the fridge. take one sip, put it back in there. And now there would be an empty jug in the trash can, but it would be a big old glass for grace in the refrigerator. I'm like, watched her do it for like, I don't know. It took, it, sometimes things take long for me, probably six weeks, I might admit. So I just couldn't figure it out. So I'm asking God, what in the world? And the Lord started to show me that, teaching me about adoption and about the ability to receive. And I question, I wonder, how many things that God has for me, like orange juice, that I go to him and always ask for. God, can I have this? And he's like... Ah, stop asking for that. You can have this. You're, I'm never going to run out. So I finally had to sit down with Grace and say, listen, everything in this house is yours. Everything. The milk, the orange juice, the bread, it's all yours. It's never going to run out. You're always going to be fed. I can say that by, by, with, with real confidence because I know my dad. I know who God is. I can say that to her. You know what God was showing me through her life? To teach her the ability to receive the blessing of God. Receive it today. Receive that. Grace, it took six or eight weeks. Finally, she would get to the point where her glasses of orange juice, it didn't happen overnight. It's not going to happen in our lives overnight. Her glasses of orange juice went from a half a gallon to a quarter of a gallon. And then eventually, she just drinks what she wants and knows that there's a There's a gallon of orange juice in the fridge that she can tap into anytime she wants orange juice. There's grape jelly. There's peanuts. Whatever it is that Grace likes is in the home. Not because we're just catering to Grace, that we're trying to enable her in any way. Because we love Grace, and we want her to be blessed. The Bible says in Genesis 12 that we are blessed to be a blessing. Be a blessing. Let God bless you. Receive his blessings first. We are blessed to be a blessing. Grace taught me how to receive in my home. I learned this principle from a, the time a 12-year-old little girl. God used this little girl to show me how to receive more of God. In the last two years since Grace has been in our home, our business has tripled in size. We've had a further reach, and it's all not because I'm a smart CEO. It's because I've had the ability to receive the blessing of God. I started believing that God's made us significant. If I can share anything else with you today, just believe that God made you really good. You know, we talked a little bit earlier about salvation. And that every person will have to answer that question. You know, imagine it written on the heavens. Who is Jesus? And, and today, there's an awesome pastoral staff that will... Um, answer some of these questions for you but if that's not if you don't know that Jesus is who he says he is if he's not your Lord he's not your Savior and you haven't answered that question um, today's the day the Bible says that today is the day of salvation if that's you and anyone in the room there's no shame in it this is a something a, a process in fact if you're feeling resistance to what I'm saying right now there's a good indication that that's you because God loves you, and there's a real devil that hates your living guts. And he will do anything he can to keep you from identifying who you are as a son of daughter of God. Because once you know it, you are a world changer forever. If that's you this morning, you can stand to your feet and make it public. There's a great pastoral staff here that will, that will walk you through the process and get you plugged into the things you need to. If you just don't have the courage to stand up publicly to do it, come see Pastor Phil and one of the staff members at the end of this service and say, hey, I'm confused. I'm, I don't know. I don't know that I'm saved. If you're asking that question, these are the men of God in this house that will make sure that they answer those questions for you. Is that good? Guys are, is that fair for everyone in the room? Yeah? Thanks for having me. Hope you can receive it. I'm not here to beat you up. The next time I see you, you're going to be wearing hairnets, and I'm going to say, you look so good in those hairnets but I would re- be remiss to not be obedient to what God's called me to do, which was to come and share a message of hope, of reality, of truth, of promise. And um, I hope you feel encouraged. It's not ever my heart's desire to not encourage you. I'm so grateful that you would partner with us to do something great in your community. Uh, we're just a small part of it. Really, what we bring to the table is just a vehicle to connect people And then you have great partners here to continue to get the work done. Um, So thanks again for having me this morning, pastoral staff. Thank you for having me. And uh, God bless you all today.